0: So glad to see all of you. Welcome back. Um, you know, if you're fortunate enough to live in this world and find one good friend, then you're a very fortunate person. Um, Shane, found, Shane has that guy, and it's his cousin. Uh, Shane's the dearest friend in the world is his cousin, and his cousin's father passed away uh, last weekend. And so that's why Shane is gone. Uh, Shane is up in Indiana with the, his family and, uh, he's doing the, uh, funeral for, uh, his uncle. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to take a second to just pray for Shane and, and, uh, his family. I know they had some, tr- he had some trouble getting up there. His RV broke down on the way up in a Walmart parking lot. So it's been quite an adventure and uh, shane 's a homebody, and so he had to leave Erica and the two younger kids at home, so he 's had, had a difficult time so i 'd just like for us to take a second and just pray for him. Lord thank you for um, you know, thank you for our friends, whether they 're family or, or not. Uh, you tell us that a friend sticks closer than a brother. I know that Shane um, has that in his cousin, and I know that uh, they 're all suffering loss. And uh, they're all dealing with grief today. So we just collectively want to lift up Shane, our brother in Christ, his wife, Erica, and their kids. It's, it's been a difficult few days, and, and uh, it'll be a few more before Shane's able to make it home. So, Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen him as he speaks at the memorial service. Pray that you comfort his broken heart, and uh, pray that you would return him safely back home to his family. We're grateful to, uh, to just be able to gather in your name, and we're grateful to be able to pray for our friend and brother in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we've been uh, in a series called Crack Pots. Uh, we're, uh, we've been fortunate enough to be able to to, to spend some time at uh, Adventure Christian and Tavares preaching this same series, and so uh, Shane and I have been preaching through it there as well. So... Has Shane ever told you about his first ministry? I know he talks; he's told you a lot of stuff. Has he ever told, told you about his first ministry? No? All right. So every time we get to come out here and Shane's not preaching, we're going to tell you stories about Shane's first ministry. All right? So when Shane... Shane likes people to like him, right? He loves people. And so... Uh, one of the things that happened in his first ministry, he was out one day and you know, back in the day in small town, um, small town Midwest, uh, the pastor would go around and visit, would go around and visit his prisoners, right? And so he decided one day early in his ministry that he was going to go do some visiting around the town and see some of his folks. And so that's what he did. And it went really well. And then eventually Shane made his way to, uh, to a house and he, and he knocked on the door and nobody answered. And so he waited and he knocked on the door again. And he knew, he knew somebody was in there because he could hear them rustling around. So he knocked one more time. Nobody answered. So he reached into his pocket and he grabbed out his little business card and he turned it over and he wrote on the back, Revelation 3.20, right? So the next day was Sunday and church came and went and back as it used to be in the day, the pastor was in his office counting the offering. And in the offering, Uh, Plate was his business card that he had written Revelation 3.20 on it. And he flipped it over and on the back it said Genesis 3.10. You see Revelation says, Revelation 3.20 says, I want to read it so I get it right. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into them and I will dine with them. And Genesis 3.10 says, and he said, I heard... I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. Yeah. It would have gone funnier if I'd have memorized the verses, right? Cracked pots, right? We're all cracked pots. And, uh, you know, Second Corinthians chapter uh, 4 is just... Four and five are just incredible verses, right? Incredible passage of scripture. And we've been walking through it, right? I mean, listen, at the end of the day, the, the, the biggest takeaway from Second Corinthians chapter 4 and 5 is this, is that we're the pot, we're the pot, everybody say that with me, we're the pot, not the power. Let's say it again, we're the pot, not the power, right? At the end of the day, every believer's got to remember that. Right? We're simply the vessel. The power in us comes from the presence of God in our lives. And at times, listen, at times it's easy to forget that the power of God is what makes the vessel, the pot, useful to God and beneficial to God, right? So, the, listen, the most often, anybody want to take a guess at what the most often asked question to any pastor is? You know what? I don't know why I ask you because I can't hear you. So let's just move on, right? Right? I'm just kidding, right? Listen, the most often asked question to any pastor in any situation is why? It's why. I would say in 30 plus years of ministry, I couldn't even begin to tell you the amount of times that people have either called on the phone or texted nowadays or emailed or visited, and their question they want to know and the question they want to ask is, why? Why did this happen? Why is this happening? You know, why would God allow this, right? It's an incredibly complicated question. And the reality is it's, it's the single greatest question that nonbelievers have. Why does a good God allow bad things to happen, right? Why does a good God allow suffering, right? At the end of the day, why is a substantially important question to most people, Right, my, my two and a half year old grandson, um, my two and a half year old grandson lives with me, and his speech development is a little bit behind, but he hasn't yet gotten to that stage that most toddlers get to, where everything out of their mouth is why, 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 why. why? Right, we when we learn to speak it's a question that we learn to ask and as we and as we get older it's a question that we ask more because listen most of us don't like most of us don't like to be in situations where we feel uninformed right we don't like to feel ignorant about what's happening around us and for christian people right listen we 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 live with a god who the bible says that his ways are above our ways right his thoughts are above our thoughts And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are God's ways above ours. That creates in a lot of believers some real struggle because God is the kind of God that asks us to move out of faith or stand still out of faith. And our natural inclination is to say, why? Why? And in our passage today in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we we come across a situation where we're we, we this question can come up, right? Listen to what listen to what Paul writes in Second Corinthians chapter four. He says, "Therefore, we do not lose heart." Right. This is the theme, right? Second Corinthians chapter four, same phraseology in verse one, right? He comes to the end of the chapter and he says the same thing. The overall theme of chapter four is: we don't want you to quit. We don't want you to give up. Right. I remember when I went to, I remember the very first movie I ever saw in the theater was Rocky in 1976. Anybody see Rocky, the original, right? It was, it was a packed theater. Of course, you know, in 1976, you didn't get to see previews on your phone, right? You didn't know what Rocky was really about, right? Nobody really knew Sylvester Stallone. He'd never really done anything of significance. And so, but the theater was packed. And so we go into this theater. I was 13 years old, right? We go into this theater and we watch this movie, right? And, and, you know, what a, what a simple, powerful movie. But the crazy thing that I'll, I'll I'll always remember this about the movie, right? Is that at the end of the movie, after Rocky just took an ungodly beating, right? And they fought to 15 rounds and they just threw haymakers and his eye was swollen and he couldn't see and all of that was going on. At the end of the movie, Rocky lost, right? Do you remember that? Rocky lost in the first movie. And even though he lost the theater in Effingham, Illinois, that was packed to the gills, everybody stood and cheered. The whole theater. I will never forget it as long as I live. They announced that Apollo Creed won, and yet the entire theater cheered for Rocky, a loser. It was incomprehensible to me. Because there's, there used to be, there used to be a spirit within us that celebrated just not quitting. Right? Just don't give up. Right? There's, there was a time where we're hanging on and fighting to the end, no matter how difficult it was, there was a time where that was celebrated. That's, that's leaving our society today. Right? It's, listen, and, and you don't have to take my word for it. Just look it up. Look up the, sti- the statistics to watch how giving up, and not finishing is becoming a natural, a natural, not an unnatural, but a natural part of thinking of so many people today. Because we don't know how to not lose heart. We don't know how to hang on. Right? We have, we're losing within a generation of, of, of young people, we're losing the mindset that finishing, like that just not quitting matters. And so Paul says, listen, we don't want you to lose heart. In the Greek, in the Greek language there, there's no, the, the phrase lose heart's not in there. It's a, it's a trans, it's sort of an idiom. It's the idea of don't give up. We're not going to stop. We're not going to, we're not going to quit this, right? And listen, it's been a difficult last two years, hadn't it? It's been tough. It's been an incredibly discouraging time. I mean, we went for what? 18 months without having Tuesday church Here in person There were a lot of people that suffered during that During that season and still are Right It's easy to want to lose heart But Paul says therefore we don't lose heart Though outwardly we are wasting away Anybody in here relate to wasting away outwardly? Ray, where you at? Thank you buddy (laughs) Did you say amen there? I didn't think so, right? <laughs> right? Outwardly, we're wasting away, right? Listen, I can tell the weather's gotten cold because every joint on my body hurts. My hands are stiff, right? My eyesight, I have to wear these stupid reader glasses, right? Every, anytime somebody, hey, can you look at this picture somebody sent me, hang on, i got to find my glasses because apparently I'm going blind at 57, right you know everything about us at some level begins to waste away anybody here find that process enjoyable no right it's not enjoyable at all right and listen i don't know about you my body might say that i'm 57 but my brain says that i'm 25 right like right the most complicated part about aging isn't always the physical effects, it's the fact that your brain still thinks you're 25 and that you can act the same way you did at 25 at 57, right? And then the alarm goes off the next morning, you're like, kill me, just kill me now, I'm done, right? Listen, we're wasting away hourly, right? The idea that, you know, so many people that that wrote about this and studied it, you know, talk, and pastors that preached about it, right, talk about the idea that, you know, the minute we're born, we began to die. No, that's you know that's a, I mean I guess there's truth in that. Every day that you live is a day closer to the time that you're not. But it's hard for me to look at my two and a half year old grandson and think he's already begun the process of dying, when he's beginning the process of actually growing up. It's a it's a hard thing to comprehend. But when I look in the mirror at fifty seven, I can understand it more clearly. Right? It makes a lot more sense to me. Right? When I struggle to be able to hear, and I'm like, "What? What? Right?" And I can't see, right? And my stomach issues, and I've got a bad back, and and I've got varicose veins thanks to my mom and her genetics, right? All of those things that I get outwardly we're wasting away, right? But he says in the next verse, "Yet inwardly, right? That place where God dwells. Remember, we're the pot and not the power, right? That." That inner spirit, he says, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And maybe that's why at times I feel like I'm twenty five. Maybe at times that's why inside I feel as young as I ever did, because that that inner man, that that part of me that is connected to Jesus, right? That part of me that has been that has been immersed with the presence of the Holy Spirit, that part of me is being renewed day by day. And so, what a con- listen! What a contrast we live in, right? Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus, whether here or online, and, and I don't know if we said, but hello, everybody who's watching online, we're so grateful that you guys have been a part of what we're of what we're doing. But what a dichotomy we live in, right? We live in a world where our outward person is decaying, but the inward part of us is being renewed day by day. It's a real struggle, and listen. You know, I, I, I'm not going to look at him, but I see my, my student pastor and his wife over here, you know, combined age, they're still not as old as I am. Right. And they're sitting over there going, I don't understand this wasting away thing. Right. They're all happy and young and smiling. Right. Right. They don't listen when you're young and you're, you're, you're fit. You don't feel the dichotomy, but I feel it today. Right, That I'm wasting away outwardly, but inside there's this part of me. Listen, today, my spirit is more renewed today than it was 10, year to go, 10 years ago. Right, I feel more alive and I feel more mature and I feel that I have more understanding. I have more excitement because of what's being renewed in me day by day. Even though outwardly, each day can be a struggle. And Paul says, listen, don't lose heart. Right, Don't let that get you down right don't let the aging process on the outside get you down because the aging process on the inside is doing a benjamin button right it's aging in reverse right we're getting younger and we're getting stronger and we're getting we're getting wiser and we're getting more mature in that inward person listen some of the greatest people in our 30 years in ministry I've been going to church for 40 some of the some of the most amazing people I've ever served with were people who were much older than I was and I'm going to be honest with you I've been on staff here for 12 years the most amazing people we have on staff are older than I am they're just incredible and here's the thing about them that amazes me they're old <laughs> They're they're old. But here's here's the thing. They have more energy. They have more vitality. They have more life than some of the people on our staff that are half their age. And honestly, we couldn't do half of the things we do without them. And here's why. Yeah, you can clap for them. I mean, I mentioned one of them yesterday in a conversation I was having. I said, I don't know what we'd do without them. And here's why, because you can look at them and you can be around them. And here's what, you know, they haven't lost heart. And here's why, even though, even though their outward person is decaying, man, they have been renewed by that inner spirit, that inner man, each or inner woman every day. And they're more alive than anybody that I know. And we are blessed as a church. We are blessed as a staff to have those people on our team Listen, that's that's the same for you, right? Don't lose heart. Even though it's a weird dichotomy of of brokenness and frailty at times within our bodies. Listen, if you're a believer, you can possess the youth and the vitality of a person who's physically young because inwardly you can be renewed. And listen, if you're not a believer and you think that that's that's baloney, listen, I, I challenge you to find out whether it is. I challenge you to explain why people of a certain age have more youth and vitality, enthusiasm, and energy than anybody that you know. Try to understand how that works. Don't lose heart, even though there's that challenge for all of us as we get older. Paul goes on to say in verse 17, he says this. He says, our light and momentary troubles. I don't know about you, but... Do you ever read the Bible and just get aggravated at some of the stuff you read? Thank you. Right? You say that to some people are like, oh, that's God's word. You can't talk that way about it. Listen, some of the stuff I read really aggravates me. This is one of them. Paul doesn't know me. Right? Like, he ain't never met me. And yet he has the audacity to say what I'm going through is light and momentary. Listen, I don't know if you've ever been through a difficult time. But if somebody comes up beside you and says, hey, it's going to be okay. It's just light and momentary. (laughs) I'm taking my Bible and throwing it at them, right? Because that seems aggravating to me. Listen, I went to Bible college in 1980-whatever, you know. After, when it came time to graduate, my wife was pregnant with our second kid, when we graduated from Baba college, she said, I don't want to go. I don't want to be in ministry. We'd been three and a half years serving at a church in O'Fallon, Missouri. We had one son, Jeremiah, and she decided she didn't want to go into ministry. And I went, sorry. And so we moved to O'Fallon, Missouri. And within a month of being in O'Fallon, Missouri, at six months pregnant, her water broke. And we went to the hospital and... She delivered our second son, Josiah, on July the 10th, 1986. Medicine wasn't advanced as it was today. And as a one pound and 14 ounce baby, he didn't make it. And on a Tuesday, we had the funeral. And at one o'clock that morning, my wife packed up our son, Jeremiah, and her meager belongings, and she left and she never came home. And on Friday the elders of the church came down and found me on the floor of Josiah's bedroom and they fired me. And within the span of a week and a half, I had gone from being married with two children, potentially, a full-time ministry at a home to being the father of a son that had passed, now living alone because my wife had left with her other son. I was unemployed and I was homeless. And Paul says... Your light and momentary troubles. Man, it didn't feel that way. Because I don't know about you, but when you go through those things, they don't feel light and momentary, do they? They feel at times like the heaviest thing in the world. Right? They feel like they can, they can weigh so much that it feels like you can't even get out of bed. That it's difficult to get up. And momentary, I don't know about you, but that season seemed interminable to me. I didn't think it would ever end. And it just kept getting worse. It wasn't that that 10 days was as bad as it got. It just kept getting worse and worse. And the idea that it was light and momentary just seemed absurd to me. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul says our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You see, Paul wasn't minimizing my trouble. But Paul was saying, in light of what you will get in the end, they're light and they're momentary. And see, when I was 22 years old and I was living through it, I wasn't mature enough in my faith to have the perspective that that all of that trouble that the pot goes through is achieving or preparing for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. I didn't have that perspective. But I can tell you this at 57... That if you don't develop that perspective as a believer, life will kill you. It'll crush you. If you can't develop as a believer the perspective that what you're going through is achieving, preparing, setting you up for an eternal glory that outweighs them all. Man, you're going to spend your time being incredibly discouraged because I don't know if you've noticed this or not. But life is hard and it's indiscriminate. It doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter what money you have. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter how many verses of the Bible that you know. It doesn't matter how well you sing or preach. It doesn't matter how many mission trips you go on. It does not matter about the size of the check that you put in the offering plate. Life is indiscriminate because it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. And the reality is without a perspective that sees eternity and sees eternal glory as the end goal of the pot's existence... Those troubles will never feel light and momentary. Right? Like, I've known, you know, listen, I've known it in my own life and I've known it through years of ministry. I've watched, I've watched believer after believer just get stuck. They just get stuck. They get stuck at bitterness. They get stuck at, at being angry because the question of why. Right? The question of why this is happening. Right, The question just eats and eats and eats at them to where they can't get past it. And listen, if you can't develop a perspective that this world, listen, this world in comparison to eternity is incredibly light and momentary. Right, And even though, listen, we talk about this a lot, right? Feelings, everybody say this with me. Feelings are not... Fact. Let's say it again. Psychology 101, right? Feelings are not fact. Listen, it might not feel light and momentary. It might feel as if the weight of the world is going to break you. It might feel that you're never going to make it through. But just because you feel it doesn't make that feeling true. The feeling might be true. The feeling that you're having is accurate. It's you. It's yours. But it doesn't mean that that is what drives factual data. Factually, Christian, we live in a world that is incredibly temporary. The Bible calls our existence breath, right? It's here one second and it's gone the next. Eternity, however, has weight to it, right? It has measure to it. And our glory in eternity outweighs our light and momentary troubles in this world. Amen, church? He says, don't lose heart. And listen, Shane's our, our, our pastoral care pastor. He's, he's privileged to be able to speak here every week, but he's our pastoral care pastor. And he leads, he leads an amazing team of people who are here because what we never want to say to you is that your troubles, though light and momentary compared to eternity, we never want to say to you those troubles aren't significant. That's why we have a pastoral care team. That's why we have grief share and divorce care and biblical counseling. That's why we want to visit you when you're in the hospital. That's why we want to go to nursing homes because, listen, the things that we have to deal with As individuals in this world requires us to affirm that these struggles for you are significant. But listen, we've got to live in a world, believer, where church impacts how we process what we're going through. Because that don't lose heart thing listen that don't lose heart thing isn't permeating the millennial mindset and it isn't politi- it isn't eluding you know or or getting its way into the mindset of that gen z below them they're ready to quit at an earlier age than ever they're ready to say my life isn't worth living right troubles are too deep and the world is too hard and they're doing that at 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 years of age and it don't have listen you don't have to take my word for it look it up the reality is losing hard has become an acceptable part of the process. Listen, we're even making stupid TV shows about it. TV shows that are being permeated into a culture where a generation is watching them on Netflix and buying into it. Because losing hard is become an becoming an acceptable option. It wasn't anything I thought about when I was growing up and my life was hard. We lived poverty level. We lived in the country with no car on the evenings. We had an outhouse with no running water. We barely had enough money to pay the bills and get food. Life was hard. But we never thought about quitting. But we watched Gunsmoke, right? right? We watched Ho- We watched. Kojak, right? We watched those shows where you learned that you didn't. That's not happening today. So you know where they're going to learn it? They're going to learn it from you, Grandma. And they're going to learn it from you, Grandpa. And they're going to learn it from you, Mom. And they're going to learn it from you, Dad. They're going to learn it from you. We've got to learn. Listen, it does not do a generation looking for an example any good to see the older generation that's being renewed day by day in the inward man. It doesn't do them below us any good to see us every time we go through light and momentary affliction. Just go to the ground and can't get up and never get up because it's too bad and we don't understand and we don't have any perspective of the eternal weight of glory our life is producing for us. At some level, we've got to show them that there's that, that it's there. And the one thing that I can tell you, when I went through what I went through at 22 years of age, I did not have one believer that I could look to and say, they showed me how to do this well. I had to figure it out on my own. And it took me seven stinking years to figure out how to make my way back to the church after being angry for what I went through. I would have given anything to have one person that I could have looked to, that I could have seen, that I could have served with, that I could have said they could show me how to do this. I had nobody. Is your life being lived in light and momentary affliction in such a way that somebody can see you and say, I don't understand it. How do you do that? How How do you keep it in perspective? And listen, that's not saying that there won't be days that you won't just lay on the floor and cry your eyes out. It's not to say there won't be days that I don't get in my car and drive and just cry or scream or yell. But it it does tell me at some point my faith has to lead me to a place that I can see today in light of tomorrow. That I can see the present in light of the future. That I can see the temporary in light of the permanent. And he says, bring that verse back up. He says in verse 17, in verse 17, Abracadabra. There it is. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Man, listen, develop the perspective that no matter what you're going through here, everything that you're going to get, it outweighs them all, man. It outweighs them all. And then he goes on to say this in verse 18. Paul does. In verse 18, he says, So we fix our eyes... Not on what is seen. You know, one of the frustrating things that happened during COVID was there were people who believed in Jesus who said COVID wasn't real. That was frustrating to me. And here's why it's frustrating. Because people we knew actually died of COVID. Real people with real names and real families and real marriages died of COVID-19. And yet there were Christian people that said it wasn't real. And yet there were thousands upon tens of thousands of people that mourned and weeped and cried because someone they loved passed away. You see, one of the things that does a disservice to the communities and the people that were around is is that when we act as if the things that are real aren't really real. Right? Listen, Paul's not asking us to ignore reality in front of us. Listen, your life might actually stink. Your marriage might actually be over. The diagnosis might actually be cancer. And COVID-19 might be real. You see, he says, fix your eyes not on what is seen. And that could be complicated. Especially, listen, look at the world we're living in today. Some of you have lived longer than I have. And you've been around America longer than I have. And the America that we're seeing today isn't the America that you grew up with. And for some of you, like... That's unsettling. It's unsettling. And it's easy, man. It's easy to keep your eyes fixed on Fox News and CNN. And it's easy to fix your eyes on everything that you see. But Paul says it's time for Christians to not fix our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen. And here's why he says, the reason we make the transition is because bring that next part of the verse up. Sue. he says, for what is seen is what we make such a big deal about things that aren't going to be around forever. Right? Like, like, I don't understand it, but people seem to like the McRib sandwich, right? Freak out. Anybody here ever eat a McRib? Thank you. Normal people, right? Elijah, you've had a Maghrib? He's like, Amen, right? Amen. Stinking young people, right? Amen, right? But here's the thing about the Maghrib they're going to quit selling it here in just a little bit. It's just temporary, right? The reason we don't fix our eyes on things that we see is because Paul says they're not going to be around forever. And yet, man, how many, listen, how many times have you, how many times have I, How many times do we get so sidetracked because we're so focused on the temporary? Do you know that 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 8 and 9 tell us that this world isn't going to be around forever? That Peter says that this world will be consumed by fire. That fire will melt the elements and everything in it. And yet we act as if this thing's going to be around forever. We got to save the planet. It's dying and it's going to burn. You know what you need to save? Instead of the planet, is your soul. We got to focus on the right thing, right? Yeah, you can clap for that. Focusing on what is seen versus what is unseen is focusing on temporary versus what is eternal. Listen, we don't have any idea what God's up to. Do you know, do you have any idea what God's up to? No. Oh. Listen, when we went through the election cycle the first time and, or the second time and, and, you know, we'd gone through the George Floyd stuff and COVID was here and we're trying to go through an election cycle, man, what a mess that was, right? It was tough, you know, black and white and rich and poor and left versus right, and Republican versus Democrat. And it was, it was a mess. And my friend, my good friend Grew up in the Midwest, Southern Illinois, good old boys. Dad was a Marine. He went to the Christian church. and He was raised in a world where being a Republican and being a Christian were the same thing. And that's how he was raised. And then his daughter grew up, and she married a black man. And then we went through the election with Trump and Biden, and we went through George Floyd, and we went through all those other tragic situations and we went through COVID 19 and my friend watched his daughter suffer because he was she was married to a man of color that was different than hers. And he began to listen to his son-in-law and he began to hear his pain and he began to hear his daughter's pain and his perspective began to change. And one day he, he said to me one day he said to me is it possible he said, is it possible that it could be God's plan for Joe Biden to be elected and not Trump? And I just looked at him and said, you read your Bible. What do you think? You see, you and I don't know what God's up to. We don't have a clue. When I was struggling to find my way to church with a bachelor's degree in ministry after being divorced in the Christian church in 1986, I can tell you, I wasn't a hot commodity to be hired by churches to preach. Okay. So with a Bible college degree and a divorce on my resume, I had to figure out how to make a living. And my degree didn't go very far in getting me to make a living. And I had a hard time figuring out how to make a living. Eventually, I found my way into nursing homes. And I became a chaplain and then eventually I became an administrator and I did that for 10 years. And I found out I like numbers. And I wasn't afraid of conflict. And I didn't have any any trouble firing people or or dealing with difficult people. I found that I had a little bit of a pingent for some difficult situations. And then I turned it in and I did 10 years of restaurant management. And then in February of 2010 when I was good and happy and life was good and settled. And I was at home and I was raising my family at home and I'd put a home where my, where my old home used to be. And I was, life was good on February of 2010 on a cold Wednesday night. It was ice everywhere. And I was leaving the high school gym and went to a friend's house and dropped off his basketball shoes. And he forgot, I got back in the car and I had a missed call on my cell phone and it was from Joe Pudding. And Joe and I graduated Bible college together and he stayed straight and narrow and I took some twists and turns and ran into some dead end roads and finally made my way back. And I hadn't talked to Joe in, in, well, probably a few months because, um, I had known that he had been diagnosed with cancer and we had talked on the phone, but he called me and I called him back on that February night. I'm sitting in my car and waiting for the heater to kick in and I call and he, he picks up the phone and he doesn't say, Hey, he doesn't say, how you doing? He didn't say, it's great to hear from me. He says, are you ready for me to completely mess up your life? (laughs) I'm still mad at him for that, right? (laughs) Little did I know. Listen, we focus on what is seen so much that we ignore what's unseen. Man, I was just trying to make a living. I was just trying to figure out how does a guy with a Bible college degree and a divorce, how does he make a living? I was just trying to figure out how to do that. And I hadn't been very successful. As a matter of fact, I was so unsuccessful at one point in time, I ended up in jail. I had a hard time figuring it out. But when I finally did figure it out, little did I know that after 20 years of nursing home administration, after 20 years of restaurant management, little did I know that God was making a job called executive pastor. Where I would get to do what I had learned to do for 20 years and still get to do what God called me to do 30 years ago. Right? Like, like, it doesn't even make sense to me. Even after 12 years of being here, I'm still the most fortunate person I know. I can't believe that after all of those struggles and all of those light and momentary afflictions, I can't believe with all of the bad days and all of the terrible decisions and all of the tough moments, I still can't believe that God used my friend to call me to say, little did you know, That all the while that you thought you were struggling in the dark, that God was busy building a job where you could do what I let you do for 20 years and what I called you to do for 30 years. And you could come to Florida and you could do it for 12 years. I'm blown away. And so one of the things I constantly try to help my staff understand is, listen, listen, what you're saying about what you're seeing, yes. It might be bad. It might be frustrating. But what about what you don't see? What do you What do you think God's up to behind the scene? Are we willing to have that perspective? Because I've seen it here more times than I can count. Or sometimes I stupidly get tipped over by what's in front of me. And three days later, God shows me what was behind it all the while. Listen, don't lose heart. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I can tell you this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because outwardly, listen, outwardly it might be decaying. Inwardly it's being renewed. Listen, it might feel heavy. But in perspective of the eternal weight of our glory, it's simply light and momentary. And man, don't lose your mind over what you see. Because what you see isn't going to be here forever. What we can't see is going to be around for all eternity. Amen, church? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, You know, I'm I'm not always as confident, obviously, about those truths as I need to be. I know that sitting here today, I'm fully confident. I pray, Father, that as we we take what you've taught us today out through these doors, that as we deal with these troubles, as we deal with this decaying body, as we deal with what's in front of us, man, that you'll be developing in us, Father, better vision, better way to see the world. Then more than anything, we'll be willing to trust your promises. But this ain't going to be around forever. And someday, the glory we're going to get is going to put all this to shame. So strengthen our faith today, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.